0: Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4163 of the Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world with me, Andy Zaltzman, live from London. I have some bad news. The introduction to this week's show has been cancelled due to a general sense of existential unease. As soon as this is rectified on a global level, I will re-record a backdated intro to this show. Instead, I've got to go straight into introducing the guests for this week's show to help bring me up to date with everything in the world that I've been essentially missing whilst uh, locked away in the cricket bubble. Uh, joining me from a distinctly non-crickety part of the world, uh, San Francisco, it's Nato Green. Hello, Nato.
1: Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers.
0: Um, how's, uh, how's How's California?
1: Well, uh, I had a few drinks last night, and I'm not sure what happened, but I think I might be the president of Belarus now.
0: well that is at last something you know a a positive sign for the world you know i think that is you know maybe just one little glimmer of hope nato green green is the new belarusian
1: Uh, leader uh you know i i think i'm as qualified as all the other bastards doing it
0: yeah it just it will just be quite interesting nato because as you know listeners to this show will know you're you know, very committed politically and uh, on the left-hand side of the political seesaw. It'll be really interesting to see as president of Belarus. Uh, how long it is before those principles go out the window, as uh, history suggests they inevitably will.
1: I am I, I'm, uh, I'm I'm committed to organizing protests against myself in my new capacity. <laughs> <laughs> is it possible to you lock your head to your own desk in in protest? <laughs>
0: Also joining us uh, from London, it's uh, Tiffany Stevenson. Tiffany, have you uh, um, appointed yourself president of any any countries this week?
2: Um, I What have I been doing? I don't know what I'm fit to be a president of, to be honest. I was late for this podcast and uh, like by two, only by two minutes, which is not bad for me. And Paul said, I cannot believe you're going to be late for something in your own house. <laughs> and I was like, you misunderstand. Chronic tardiness is a state of mind not a destination. (laughs) I don't have to be going anywhere to be late. That's,
0: you know, that's in many ways a metaphor for all humanity as well. (laughs) Um, We are recording on uh, the 18th of August 2020 and on the subject of things being late, uh, it's the 100th anniversary of Tennessee becoming the last of the 36 needed states to ratify the 19th Amendment to give uh, to give women the votes, as an overwhelming 50 out of 99 members of the Tennessee House of Representatives uh, voted yes to women voting. That's that's the nineteenth amendment. Uh so clearly America found eighteen <laughs> other things that needed amending before remembering to let half of the population have a say and stuff. But bearing in mind, I mean clearly there were quite a lot of uh, amendments that needed to be doing um pressingly before that. Um but bearing in mind the eighteenth was about banning alcohol, uh it does slightly suggest that women were not entirely top of the American uh, priority list. And of course famously the second amendment was to safeguard the right of all Americans to fight machine guns are innocent bystanders and that had to be sorted out long before issues such as not enslaving people or acknowledging that women are probably the same species <laughs> as men but still better late than never this day a hundred years ago. Of course it's not unique to the USA it's a bit of a speciality of our supposedly sensational uh, species and, uh, but still America gave f- with psychopaths and racists the vote before women <laughs> On the 20th of August 1858 Charles Darwin published his theory of evolution through natural selection in a smash hit uh, big selling issue of the Journal of the Proceedings of the Lin- Linnean Society of London. Who can forget that uh, classic issue back in uh, uh, this week in 1858? Of course, the uh, theory of evolution by Darwin, a theory since debunked by both the Bible and the internet. Uh, so it's uh, <laughs> 2 1 against Darwin there. Uh, Darwin himself uh, did concede in an interview with the 19th century gossip magazine Bodice, that uh, natural selection is, and I quote, a bit shit when you look at it objectively. It takes f-ing ages, and most species have still got design flaws you <laughs> could drive a horse and cart through. Darwin added that uh, free market economics would, quotes, probably work much more efficiently than natural selection, and concluded, if I could buy a dog with wheels that could bark me a half-decent song, I'd buy it. Um... As always, a section of The Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, a free algorithm. Now, um, algorithms have been very much in the news of late. For those of you who don't know what algorithms are, they uh, do the kind of mysterious unseen shit that used to be correctly attributed to the devil himself in wiser, simpler times. Uh, but we have a free algorithm, an algorithm to help you confirm that you are cool or hot or simply awesome. Also, a free algorithm to help you work out if you're the kind of person who should be listening to this bugle. And the algorithm basically, basically goes like this are you currently listening to the Bugle? If no, then no, you're probably a loser, we want nothing to do with. If yes, you are listening to the Bugle, then you may be the kind of person who should be listening to the Bugle. Next question, are you enjoying listening to the Bugle? If no, then we don't want anything to do with you. If yes, you may be the kind of person who should be listening to the Bugle. And finally, are you currently naked in a motorway service station? If yes, (laughs) welcome to the show. Top story this week, American election news, and it's all bubbling up towards a truly terrifying moment in November when the world will open its eyes uh, to find out which nearly octogenarian white man will be (laughs) in charge of the free world for the next four years. And this is in many ways, NATO, as our American politics correspondent. Donald Trump's greatest achievement, he has managed to turn... A bumbling, nearly 80 year old white guy into a savior of 21st century humanity figure. That, I mean, that's, that is essentially the the way that Trump has transformed Biden into a, into a kind of a modern day messiah. Is that what he will be most remembered for, do you think?
1: (laughs) Yes. I think it'll be on the list. I mean, Biden, you know, Biden has run for president a number of times before and was always seen as, uh, Too inarticulate to be actually statesmanlike, but... You know, if you low success is about lowering your expectations, Andy.
0: Um. <laughs> Testify—that's what this show has been all about since day one.
1: That's why I got rid of John Oliver; he was dead weight, I tell you.
2: So, are you saying the parameters for what statesmen like—are you saying those parameters have now dramatically kind of dipped after uh, Trump's presidency?
1: You see this now in, in political debates where somebody will say like, "This person's thinking about running for office," and other people will go like, "They're not qualified." And then you're like, well, hang on, the president of the United States is talking about injecting people with bleach. So
0: So essentially, Biden is very much the overcooked cabbage yeah. following the still twitching, plague infested rat and fox shit empanada that,
1: uh, that the Trump regime has been. You'd take the cabbage any day, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a Jew. I fancy a cabbage. So, sprinkle some caraway in. Sure.
0: The Democratic Party virtual convention has been going on uh, this week. How have you, uh, how have you found that, Nate? Nice? Is that is that a step up to to avoid? It's considerably less Nurembergy than a traditional, uh, traditional convention. Oh, it's been it's know? been
1: thrilling. The Democratic convention has all the production value of a high school student film project doing an infomercial <laughs> for a high fiber diet. <laughs> uh, it's been like a greatest hits of political cliches i just want to run down run down the list i was keeping a a tally of the cliches used uh this is about unity versus division the moment has come to deal with systemic racism battle for the soul most cops are good this great nation look at these old ass white people When we work together, we can accomplish anything. The soul of America, shared values, old white people, children's future, the best is yet to come, work with both sides. Here are some Republicans who support Biden for real. Swing voters are not made up. Bring us together again, more in common than what divides us. Restore decency and dignity to the White House. And finally, we want someone who will separate families and lock children in cages, but with decency. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bring
2: dignitas to the White House.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The thing about the Democrats is they're very attached to respectability, faced with the dangers of, of climate catastrophe, pandemic, economic meltdown, erosion of democracy. The Democrats are here with an appropriately respectable level of outrage. Instead of energizing the nation to defeat the scourge of Trump and Trumpism once and for all, their approach is more like seeing Trump as the dirt on lettuce leaves that can be gotten (laughs) off our political system by holding it under cold water and sort of gently massaging it until it floats away. Uh, The speeches included the kind of quotes that were as stirring as they were totally vacuous. Uh, For example... Uh, former Democratic presidential candidate Cory Booker said, "Quote: I'm running for president to heal a divided nation. Aim lower, man. You're from New Jersey." Uh, in in a, in a montage of uh, former Trump voters giving testimonials as to why they were voting for Joe Biden, one said, uh, "Joe Biden has a detailed plan, like unity." Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> unity. So detailed. Uh, <laughs> New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's face gave one speech about how his state faced the darkest days of the COVID crisis, while his eyebrows gave a completely different (laughs) speech about the virtues of slipping into something more comfortable. Uh, Cuomo said that COVID is a metaphor. On the other hand, former Republican Governor of Ohio John Kasich gave a pre-taped speech about how America is at a crossroads. While standing outdoors at a literal crossroads, so the difference between Democrats and Republicans is whether they know what a metaphor is.
0: <laughs> I saw so, I saw that that video, and I mean, uh, it didn't look like a particularly difficult crossroads, and it was more of a kind of you know tracks in a field. That did suggest that if you went the wrong way at the crossroads, you could just walk across the field and join the other road. Is that is that really inappropriate enough? Does you not need a crossroads where one road leads off a cliff into a shark-infested pit.
1: Yeah, well, so I looked it up, Andy, uh, where that crossroads actually was, and th- it, this is perfectly captures what John Kasich was trying to say because John Kasich was standing at a crossroads near his own house and the crossroads <laughs> diverged from one $800,000 house to another $800,000 house. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's American politics. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Did you? What did you think of Kamala, by the way? You say Kamala. I say Kamala. What is, is it Kamala?
1: We, we say Kamala. Uh, uh, you know, she's from here. She's from San Francisco. So I've, I've been, you know, she's been in my life for a long time. Uh, this whole, the whole, what they call the Veep Stakes uh, was the most tedious reality show of the last several months. With no judges, no audience voting, and no hot tubs that we know of. Um, apparently, some Biden insiders felt that Kamala Harris was too ambitious, uh, which, as we all know, is a key liability for someone being considered for national elected office, uh, is ambition. Um, being too ambitious to be vice president of the United States is like being too sleepy for the seventeenth annual national napping contest brought to you by one thousand <laughs> thread count sheets. Um, so she's the senator from the Bay Area, and so her first elected office uh, was in San Francisco in two thousand three um, uh, when she was elected uh, district attorney, like our prosecutor. And what you what you may not know about San Francisco is that is that my city is defined by by civic corruption. Uh, But in a dumb way, Um, like there's not exactly high crimes and misdemeanors, but more like constant low level and stupid craft. Like we regularly have public officials getting arrested for taking a bribe of five hundred dollars in a used bicycle. Um, We have so much corruption. Gay pride parade is a perp walk. Uh, And this is this is true. Kamala Harris is no exception. Her first run of office came uh, at the crest of a scandal called Fajita Gate. Uh, which was a cover-up of a fistfight among off-duty cops over a bag of fajitas outside a bar in a posh neighborhood. Uh, so uh, it's the kind of sports bar where people shout while watching lacrosse and dressage. You know what I mean? And so uh, our local press has been, like, very excited about having a hometown girl on the national stage. Um our main daily newspaper has done several articles about like Kamala Harris is the only person on the national ticket with a refined wine palette. It's very Northern California.
2: Uh, (laughs) I'm backing Kamala because she's only the fourth woman ever, I think, on a major campaign ticket. And in her speech, she spoke about her husband and her kids. And then it was flagged up to me that they aren't actually her kids because they're already grown up and she only got married to their dad five years ago. So she's a stepmom. So speaking as a stepmother, I'm behind her because I I, there aren't that many of us in public life because we're normally busy talking to our enchanted mirrors and poisoning apples. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, and they could she like me, she doesn't like the term stepmom. I like I only used that for the first time last year when I was like, oh, stepmom needs a margarita. And my stepson was like, oh, God, that's going to be a catchphrase, isn't it? (laughs) And I was like, no, I just believe that's child labour. We need to bring back from the 50s and 60s, kids making cocktails. Every nine-year-old should have a a signature drink in their repertoire. Make me a martini. Put some of your tears in it, you little bitch. (laughs) But uh, the only thing that made me cringe slightly was they call her mummala because she hates stepmom. And I was like, that's a bit cringe. Um, But here's the thing. She would have been told or she would have been advised that she had to talk about them in her speech because heaven forfend that we have a vice president who is not seen as maternal like, and, and about family because no single person has ever won a presidency, right? The thing is, you vote for a family. You vote for a first family. You don't just vote for the president. So... I think she's been told that she's got to go on stage and do a bit of a speaking as a speaking as a stepmother, so that we can all just feel relaxed that she's not a barren bitch that hates kids and you know has no interest in the future of the world.
0: Uh, on the subject of uh, Michelle Obama, Trump had a uh, Twitter blast at uh, at Michelle uh, Obama. Um, presumably, I don't know, some alarm went off at seven thirty. <laughs> he hadn't insulted anyone for a while. Um, and uh, Michelle Obama made a you know, very powerful speech as she uh, often does. She says, right now folks who know they cannot win fair and square at the ballot box are doing everything they can to stop us from voting. They're closing down polling places in minority neighbourhoods. They're purging voter polls. They're sending people out to intimidate voters. They're lying about the security of our ballots. And um, I mean, it's impressive that the, the effort that is going in to Uh, to ensure that this election is as corrupt as American (laughs) elections like to be. Bearing in mind, this is a system that basically often declares the loser the winner in a two-horse race. Um, And also, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism for, you know, and we'll we'll touch on the the Postal Service issue uh, shortly. But we should remember, it's often said that people fought and died for our democratic rights. And we should also remember that some of those people who fought were probably crackpot Republicans who would do anything possible to stop Democrats getting in. So let's honour their sacrifice (laughs) if no one else is. Um, And Trump himself has claimed this week that he had a conversation with God. Um, We're still waiting for the official transcripts to be published. Rumours are circulating that God told donald trump to quotes suck a fat one before adding i've read your book and it's even more full of shit than my book uh, and <laughs> concluded uh, i know it might sound a bit rich coming from me to question you giving influential jobs to people from your own family but at least my lad had a range of relevant skills um,
2: <laughs> if if um, if if, uh, if god is in touch apparently he pays debts god pays debts so can you tell him to get in touch with me because i've got a few outstanding ones <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, this, uh,
0: again, the, the whole postal voting issue. NATO's is sort of quite hard for for democracy fans to to understand. I mean, obviously, the idea is you should try and make voting as as open and accessible as possible, and uh, you know the, the chances of you know co- corruption through postal voting is maybe slightly higher than than without it, but not not significant. Just talk us through the, the background to this this story and Trump basically nakedly saying that he is
1: trying to fix the election. The polling for Trump is very bad, and the general consensus is that uh, the assumption is that the higher the turnout the greater the chance that Trump will lose. And because of the COVID virus, they're trying to keep people from, you know, queuing at the polls for long periods of time. And so a lot of states are going to vote by mail. And uh, the other thing you should know about the post office is that there are a lot of black people who work there. And the workforce at the postals, U.S. Postal Service is about 20 percent black, which is a higher proportion than the country as a whole. And so that's why Republicans hate it. A public agency that gives black people good jobs and a retirement plan? Got to go. Um, and uh, the post office is also used to deliver medications to old people, uh, including old white people, which is a core Trump voting demographic. So, you know, they're a death cult, as always. Um, <laughs> The, the fear on the part of the, of the Trump campaign and the Republicans is that they can't win the election fair and square. And they're kind of like, well, for our next trick, we will wreck the post office. And, <laughs> uh, and Democrats are very upset about it. Nancy Pelosi said that she was considering calling the Congress back into session to take to uh, discuss it. And, you know, when Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, gets to considering something, you know, look for cover. Uh, because con- considering is usually followed by pondering and judging, uh, <laughs> and some stern disapproval. So um, you never know. So they, you know there 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 are stories that they're like physically removing and destroying machines that will sort ballots, and that then Republicans are saying that that any late arriving ballots will not be counted. So and there's you know, it's a whole back and forth, and so people are people are charging out as part of their civic duty to save American democracy by buying postage stamps. Uh, (laughs) So never would have thought it came to this.
2: Trump uh, tweeted today, if you can protest in person, you can vote in person. So at least he knows who's going to vote against him. (laughs) Like he's acutely aware of all the people who vote against him. But I I read, and I don't know if this is true, that the chairman of the U.S. postal system is uh, a Trump supporter. He's given money to the... 2020 campaign and that the republicans don't want nationalized postal service because they don't want nationalized anything that will make people think a national health service is a good idea (laughs) i don't know if that's if that's true but the post office and the nhs are very similar here so i can understand that concern you know a lot of cues old people use it more (laughs) and uh, there's always people shoving things in your box (laughs) what i'm saying is i've had a lot of smear tests (laughs) um (laughs) but uh yeah, like is that is that a true thing? The idea that the the, the Republicans think a uh, a working socialized kind of postal system could is a dangerous a slippery slope to giving people free health care
1: yes, it is and and you know wouldn't wouldn't you like to be able to get uh, to get your 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 pap mail yeah, and mail yeah. mail a book at the same time
2: as long as people change gloves in between, I don't care. <laughs> Education
0: news now and uh, well it's approaching that time of year where kids around the world are going uh, going back to school my uh, well one, my son is about to start secondary school assuming that the entire country doesn't shut down uh, again and as discussed last week exams chaos has reigned here in Britain. Now, it's not been a huge surprise, and we talked about this a bit last week, we can update you on it uh, this week since the uh, the English uh, A-level results came out, uh, resulting in students from disadvantaged backgrounds being overwhelmingly penalised by an algorithm, then the government U-turning on it, and then going back to teachers' predicted grades, and uh, I, mean, I guess... It's not a huge surprise that a government of toging incompetence uh, has uh, performed with flounderingly cack-headed incompetence in dealing with uh, the issue of exam results in a year when no exams have been sat. I mean, inevitably, the government has whapped out the penis of blame and started spraying (laughs) the wasm of culpability in as many different directions (laughs) as possible, particularly the education regulator... um, uh, off-qual it's um, it's been uh, well I mean it's quite again it's one of these things that is quite hard to explain so so Tiff I'm going to pass this over to you and your your uh, expert uh, confidant Scottish boyfriend to explain the exams chaos to our listeners
2: uh, Scottish boyfriend explains a hang fuck Tory shitebag wanks. What more can I say? All right, short story f***ing long then. Coronavirus stopped the f***ing world and stopped kids being able to do their exams. So exam boards and teachers all decided that the teachers who knew the students' abilities better than anyone would be able to award grades based on their past performance amongst other things. Makes f***ing sense, no? No. Cut to exam results day. <laughs> Students have done better than ever. Now, statistically, this means some kids got better grades than they deserve. But I say, fuck it. They just lived through a fucking global pandemic. Missed out on proms and their first drunken holidays without parents. What harm can it do to bump them up from a C-plus to a B-minus? But no. Can he have that? So they made an algorithm to decide who gets marked down, and lo and behold, the majority of the grades that get cut are these for lower income communities. Apparently, it's to do with class size or some pish. But at the end of the day, we fucking <laughs> Tarquin, they had a school of future bellends. Didn't he get his results downgraded? Because when a decision by a Tory government affects somebody negatively, it's never a. Tory. Maybe that's just a coincidence. And yes, I know they've done a U-turn and geed everybody they are not at grades, but doesn't he make me like them any less? Tory shitebag wankers. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I thank you for shedding light on a very complicated topic uh, to uh, uh, Scottish boyfriends. <laughs> um, I
2: think that's probably going to be one of the national poems one day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, has refused to stand down after presiding over this uh, um, quite monumental f- um, the former um, Department of Education Permanent secretary, uh, David Bell uh, said that blaming officials was "quote depressing, demotivating and disreputable which coincidentally uh, is Gavin Williamson's Tinder profile um, <laughs> and uh, he said he's, he's going to remain in post and told the BBC I'm determined that over the coming year I'm going to be delivering the world's best education system now can I please issue a message to our government who keeps saying their stuff is going to be the world's best world stop aiming to be the world's best let's move (laughs) past that imperial shit just aim for vaguely competent or probably fit for purpose or reassuringly not total shit let's just aim for what we can hope to achieve I mean world's best admittedly we need to see this in the context of who is Prime Minister Boris Johnson allegedly although he has barely been seen whilst all this shit has been hitting the fan and Boris Johnson could take a shit in a bucket and claim to be the world's best basketball player which i think gives some context to what his cabinet ministers um say. Uh,
2: boris doesn't know like can't give us an accurate figure on on uh, covid deaths he doesn't know how many kids he has i don't know how we can expect him to get facts and figures correct it's not fair what did happen though on a, a on the a-level results day was and this happens every year and it just always stuns me the amount of like rich connected white dudes who went to private school who come out and I'm go sitting hey. right here, <laughs> <laughs> who come out and say hey don't worry about exam results i didn't do well and look at me now with like no sense of self-awareness at all. <laughs> so people like uh Jeremy Clarkson, whose whose family are like millionaires because his mum like made the Paddington Bear, teddy bears. Uh, ben Fogel, who I did a radio show with, and went, "Oh, do you know what? I just relentlessly failed, but people were very kind and gave me another another go." He actually said in a radio interview, "He went, I got an N in geography. I don't even know what that is," and I was like, "Top of a compass, mate. Start there." <laughs> um, but he's he like he just went people just kept giving me another go. They were so nice. And I was like, of course, because you're a posh white man, you'll just fail upwards relentlessly until eventually you're prime minister. Like that's how it works for those guys. But I do feel there's this like real, this kind of narrative that devalues education and doesn't take class into consideration, which is infuriating. I get the idea of trying to make people feel better, but in the midst of all of this, it's just like such a shocking lack of awareness.
0: Well, I mean, the, the fact is unfair, and I, I know, having been through private education and uh, I've seen the, well, the good sides and the bad sides of it, you know, that I've, I've talked about on the Bugle before. I left school, you know, un- unable to rewire a plug or talk to a girl, uh, but I could express those <laughs> gaps in my knowledge in grammatically perfect Latin. So, you know, it was very much swings <laughs> and roundabouts. But unfairness is not just baked into our... Ed- a-
1: Andy, Andy <laughs> would, would, is your school proud Of your achievements as a podcaster? Do they put you on the alum- <laughs> alumni brochure?
0: <laughs> I don't think they enormously are. I think that, the, you know, they're, they're proud of people who become city accountants, I think, essentially.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> Um, unfairness is not just baked into our education system. It is written into the recipes. It, it constitutes 98% of all the ingredients, and then it's slathered on top like a glutton's icing. Uh, and Gavin Will, I mean, the, the, let's talk about the government being made a laughing stock. And that's not unusual for the government to be a laughing stock. The problem is, it's the kind of laughter that is now the problem, because it's been a kind of weird, terrified, nervous cackle of despair that has been reverberating around the nation and, and if gavin williamson was sent to your house to put up a shelf you would flee the building call the fire brigade and emigrate he, he everywhere <laughs> he's been in politics he has left a trail of administrative destruction behind him like an untrained hippopotamus sized porcelain hating puppy in a china shop um at nato uh, your uh, your kids are about to go to, to go back to school in uh, in california
1: Yeah, they, 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 they just started this week. Uh, my children are back to school this week remotely. I I have 12 year old twins. Um, and I am on a mission to raise the most insufferable wokest white kids of all time, (laughs) uh, which is a low bar. That is
0: a hotly contested title. Yeah. Um,
1: and, uh, and my, my children are in public school, which means they're being duly educated to take their place in the class system. Um, Can can I just now, point
0: out that pu- public schools in America not mean a very different thing to public schools in Britain where public school is one of the charm the charming quirks of the English language uh, in uh, in Britain that public schools here are uh, very much barred to the public <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> fast yeah so my my dad was, before he retired was the was the was the principal the head of school for a public high school and he couldn't get funding uh, for some program that he wanted to do. And he, he actually went to the town school board and asked if uh, if he started calling the school a prison, if they would fund it adequately. <laughs> um, so um, that's our public school system. So California public schools have adop- adopted a curriculum focused on literacy, math, and downward mobility. Uh, my, so my kids, uh, typical day, first period, they learn how to drive Uber. And uh, second period, they learn how to upsell uh, from a black coffee to a venti latte at a Starbucks, uh, and the key is eye contact and nodding. And so, as a result, like a lot of middle-class families, we're supplementing with home enrichment. And to stay completely on brand for NATO Green, as uh, <laughs> anyone familiar with my oeuvre will will uh, know, um, here this is literally true of what we've actually been covering with my children. Uh, We've done an extensive inquiry into the work of Alan Turing uh, as a way of dealing with themes of homophobia, math, technological innovation, its relationship to capitalism, methods of warfare and espionage. Um, Also, in anticipation of Trump cheating and stealing the election, again, uh, we've been discussing how to overthrow the government and uh, using as a guide the Menard map that depicted Napoleon's unsuccessful Russia campaign of 1812, uh, (laughs) that my children have been learning how to calculate how many people would need to set out from San Francisco to successfully march across the country and lay siege to Washington DC and (laughs) oust the Trump regime taking into account maintaining supply chains, deaths along the way, desertions, Wi-Fi, road rash, calluses, chub rub, sunburn, diarrhea, true love, gout, dengue fever, weather, fisting, marauding Nazis, and the miles necessary to traverse the country. And finally, like Tiff, uh, my children are learning how to make a proper bourbon old-fashioned, including a, a giant ice cube, muddling the orange slice, which bitters to use, and that Daddy likes to be able to hold out his hand without looking up at 5.45pm on the dot and have the drink just f***ing appear in his hand.
2: It's important!
0: Sexually explicit rap music news now. And um, who is our sexually explicit rap music correspondent? Oh, it's me! Oh, God. This has gone very badly indeed. Um... Uh, so, uh, well, I mean, very entertaining uh, showbiz spats between um, Cardi B, the uh, rap sensation, and uh, Megan, the stallion, uh, who have uh, collaborated on a, a single entitled uh, "WAP." Um, or is it "WAP" or "WAP"?
2: It's 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 WAP because it's right. technically an acronym. Although it could be Wireless Access right. Protocol as well. Could be either or. It
0: could be that, yeah. Um, oh, there, there is a court case involving the uh, Western Australia petanque <laughs> organisation as well. And uh, between the, 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 the rap stars and Ben Shapiro, the um, uh, conservative uh, commentator, and for those of you who don't know Ben Shapiro, he's a kind of anti-messiah put on this planet to spread his message in order to make us think that humanity is completely f- Doomed, and there is no prospect, however remote, of individual or collective redemption. A man who exudes a certain jeunesse pourquoi, (laughs) and um, it has been. um, I mean, I will admit, I'm I'm not fully up to speed with the full oeuvre of, uh, of Cardi B. And Megan the Stallion, um, uh, T- Tiff, can you uh, can you just f- fill us in a bit on the uh, the, d- the details of this this spat? Uh,
2: sure. Um, although I would like to say I think Ben Shapiro is what would happen if a bottle of Davidoff Clear Water f- some just for men hair dye. <laughs> I-, I think that is the child they would have, uh, Ben Shapiro. So Ben Shapiro has come out against uh, WAP. So the initials so st- WAP stand for Wet Ass Pussy. Now, as a obviously as a British person, you know, I want to say wet ass pussy. Andy. <laughs> I mean, I think right. we both do. But yes. it doesn't wet ass pussy doesn't sound correct. No. Uh Ben Shapiro won't even say pussy. He calls it the P word right. in his dissection of it. But he's one of two, so we should discuss both. Ben Shapiro and Russell Brand giving their opinions on female sexuality and how it's expressed in the form of song. So um <laughs> Ben Shapiro put out a video, which I I think is quite funny. I think I'm hoping that he's doing it with a sense of humor, but I don't know. There's a lot of heavy moralizing in it. And the first thing he does is sort of describe the video as it's happening. And he says, uh, we can we can see them going into a mansion and uh, there's a lot of water uh, representing the amount of water coming out of the pee. Uh, here we see some golden buttocks and uh, some nipples with some water coming out of them. And uh, these women uh, have serious gynecological problems. (laughs) Basically, uh, his deconstruction of the song is he thinks that they've got some kind of um, I don't know, urine retract infection, I think, right? For which, uh, you know, maybe uh, To just drink some uh, cranberry juice would help that out. Ben Shapiro calls Cardi B a quasi-prostitute who became a rapper and then said, American success story. And I'm like, yep. He's saying he doesn't think it's feminist and he thinks it's gross. And this is like Russell Brand's opinion as well. Russell Brand's like, is it feminist masterpiece? Is it porn? And Russell Brand is the man who, on stage to protest consumerism, once shoved a Barbie doll up his ass feminist masterpiece or porn i mean it's difficult to tell um but i think like listen there could be a discussion around this you know i think i think what the rappers are saying is they're they're expressing their sexuality on their terms what they enjoy some of the lyrics are along the lines of i'll tell you where it goes which is agency and consent
0: and educational as well Uh, (laughs) yes we talked about the failings (laughs) in the public education system
1: Um, andy you might want to watch it on slow motion it was just with a with with a notepad <laughs> handy
2: <laughs> um there is another line saying something about you know my pussy's going to pay for my tuition which you know maybe has less agency to it but uh the, russell brand's argument was that is it you know is it empowerment if it's in the confines of uh, male objectification and him saying it's okay for men to express their sexual desires but not for women. So I think what we don't want is people like Russell Brand and Ben Shapiro uh, giving their, you know, Russell Brand was shagger of the year three times in a row. I'm not sure he's the one that we want to turn to, to, to feminist discourse. But also the option is there to like not watch the video or not buy the song. So like good on Cardi B for like selling a shit ton of records.
0: Yeah, it's it's been a huge a uh, huge hit. I I, I don't um, personally I have no musical frame of reference to express an opinion on on the quality of the song. Uh, it's it's not my thing. Coincidentally, the title of my new rap collaboration <laughs> with a CGI recreation of the former BBC tennis commentator Dan Maskell uh, suffice it to say if you've not heard it. Um, I can tell you what it's different to. Uh, it's very different to "I Should Be So Lucky" by Kylie Minogue, uh, "Agadoo" <laughs> by Kadagugu, "When I'm Cleaning Windows" by George Formby, and Franz Schubert's 1816 chart-topping dance floor banger Litane Auf des Fest Alice Um It's more similar, perhaps, in subtext to George Formby's "With My Little Ukulele in My Hand," but even more sexually confident and assertive uh, than uh, than Formby. I think the song it is most most unlike is probably Snooker Loopy by the Matchroom Mob with Chaz and Dave, which was a group of white men singing jauntily about snooker, which I think is the most opposite possible piece of music to WAP by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion.
1: One of my favourite things on The Bugle is when Andy has to talk about pop culture. <laughs> it is, It is like watching an alien trying to blend in with the humans
0: Uh, <laughs> well, you say that. Well, I've been doing my research about, about Cardi B, who's uh, one of the most influential musical artists in the world right now in my book, albeit a book that I've printed out from her Wikipedia page. Um, uh, a few things about Cardi B. Cardi B is not the same as KGB. Uh, that's very important to remember that. Uh, she took her performance name, it's not her birth name, Cardi B, uh, from Cardigan Bay in Wales, um, famed for its long sandy beaches, numerous campsites and diverse marine life. She has actually written an album as yet unreleased album of songs about the culture and economy of the town of Aberystwyth, and places herself firmly in the bardic traditions of the <laughs> Welsh stedfasts. So, so I've heard. Um, but if, if the, there's a, a, pro, a pro, proposal that the U.S. national anthem should be whatever happens to be top of the Billboard 100 chart that week, I mean that would we'd have seen some sensationally awkward faces this week if that had been the case, and some baseball players holding their caps over their kerjungles. <laughs>
1: I the song the song is so popular uh, and raunchy that it was viewed 80 million times uh, in the first week, and uh, there are a lot of uh, reasonable responses to a song about wet pussy. Um, this makes me feel things, and I need some time to myself is a perfectly reasonable <laughs> response. Uh, this is not for me is also a valid response. Um, but Ben Sh- Ben Shapiro who is a uh, online personality, anti-feminist, right-wing patriot, who really puts the <laughs> in my country to the V, um, <laughs> uh, decided that that uh, he was so offended that he, so he tweeted out that his doctor wife told him that anyone's whose pussy is so wet that it needs a bucket and a mop to clean up requires medical attention because they probably have bacterial vaginosis uh, or a yeast infection, Conservatives has so much difficulty imagining women enjoying their own sexuality that the only possibility they can imagine is, well, actually, this is false. Pussies don't get wet unless they're broken. Um, and, and so what they're telling us is that uh, they have no firsthand experience of a woman being so turned on in their presence that their body might have a common physiological response and that telling this fact to the public is a shrewd political strategy to win the culture war. Uh, ironically. I love it. Ironically,
2: the more I listened to Ben uh, Shapiro, the drier it got. <laughs>
0: the one lyric really stood out for me, having, having read the, uh, the lyrics, which um, I believe were lifted uh, straight from an early Woody Guthrie song, um, was uh, right near the end, macaroni in a pot. Um, which does suggest that the whole thing was just disappointing product placement for Gerald's instant pasta meals. <laughs> just add water. <laughs> Uh, that brings us to the end of uh, of this week's, uh, this week's Bugle. It's been a pleasure having you both on. Um, Tiff, you got any more uh, live online shows uh, coming up?
2: I think I have. I think I'm doing another Zoom gig uh, of a new hour, actually, but I haven't set the date for it. So uh, if you just follow me on my Twitter, at Tiff Stevenson or on Instagram. I mean, every Monday night on Instagram, I'm doing Old Rope. Uh, we have to get NATO back on. I think all the Buglers... Have been on at this point so uh keep your eyes peeled for that that's about that's about it on the live front i think um so yeah come for oh and subscribe to my youtube channel i have one uh nato anything to to plug
0: uh
1: yeah yes i sure do um obviously follow me on twitter at nato green instagram mr nato green but also i have a new series out it's uh it's called laughter against the machine and it is streaming now on means tv uh, just just out means TV is is the uh, in in true NATO green fashion it's is I believe the world's first worker owned post capitalist subscription <laughs> streaming service uh, for all of your socialist uh, streaming needs. And um, and so Laughter Against the Machine is uh, me and W. Kamau Bell and Janine Burrito. It's footage that we shot many years ago where we went on a comedy tour where we like crossed the U.S.-Mexico border. We went to political hotspots, crossed the Mexico border uh, from Arizona. We visited the levees in New Orleans. We were on strike with hotel workers. And then we were like all in the middle of Occupy Wall Street in a, during police riots and doing comedy the whole way. So uh, uh, look it up on on Means TV um, to, to check that out.
2: I saw clips of that. It looked really excellent.
1: Uh, yeah, it was, it's, uh, it, you know, it's, it's footage that we filmed in 2011 and it was sort of lost to the sands of time. And I've been trying to figure out how to get it exhumed and released. And, uh, you know, it was, a it was a long time ago when, uh, when you know we we when the country was riven by uh, racial strife and division and xenophobia uh, and the right wing was on the move and uh, liberals and progressives were despondent and disorganized and so you know it's a good time capsule and not relevant to anything that we're dealing with now. Uh, thanks very much
0: and thanks uh, thanks for listening, buglers. We'll be back uh, next week with Bugle four thousand one hundred and sixty four. Until then. Goodbye. don't forget uh, to join uh, the bugle voluntary subscription service go to the buglepodcast.com and click the donate button and our new range of merch is available uh, t shirts socks and christmas jumpers and more to follow soon until next week goodbye hi it's producer chris from the bugle here